you know, you know a little more than they they know now. They they take it all for granted. Yep, that work ethic can stick with you the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what, you don't want to do no more too. <laughs> <laughs> right for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yes, you know, sir. but the crazy thing is, um, my mother passed about three or four years ago, and when we was trying to find out information, the first thing popped up was slave. The first hmm. thing popped up was when we did a search in, in North Carolina and Cabo, come up with a slave state. Oh, wow. Like, wow. Yeah, we yeah. got we got a legacy. Sorry to hear about your mom, too. Yes. Hey, we all got to do it sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. We all got to make room for the new one. Yeah, life is... I can come at you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, I was just down there last weekend, buried two family members, and now I'm on the radio with you, so, you know. Well, we're, we're, we're absolutely glad to have you, man. And, um, yeah, we got some interesting things we could talk about, too. You know, I think okay. for the most part, we're going to, you know, we have been doing this podcast for for a few months now. Okay. And a, and a lot of the questions that, a lot of things that we talked about have been from my perspective because I've been doing this for so long. But now with you here, you've been doing this way longer than I have. And I think we want to cover some of the same stuff that I covered from a different perspective, you know? Like, I'm just... Okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of what we talked about was just giving... You know, people from New York already understand the impact that hip hop had on New York and they watched it cover the world. But what people didn't get was, you know, what was happening everywhere else when hip hop was building. And that's kind of where we were going. But now we get we get you here to get everybody the story from the inside, you know. All right. So, All right. So let's cover the right part. Oh yeah, yeah, you'd be fine. Because a lot of people, a lot of people now, they look at hip hop as what they see now. Oh right, they right. can't even understand the beginning. You know, it, it was like six to eight years. It wasn't even called hip hop. I, you know what? I we talked about that too. Mm-hmm. I said, um, you know, people. I've actually been on a panel before. You know, somebody was gonna. About fight me over whether to call hip hop or rap, and I'm like, yo, when it started, it was called, you know, the dudes were rapping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, no, it was. It wasn't even that. It wasn't even rapping. Give it to me. What was this? It? Is, this is what I'm saying. People don't understand what, how it, the travel it took. The, it wasn't. It was. We was just calling it jamming. Yo, we jamming. We it wasn't rapping yet. It wasn't hip hop yet. It wasn't none of that. We were just jamming, right? Yo, you going to the jam? Yo, they jamming over here. It wasn't even. It, I mean, it's so far from what people can think, and you know. And I'm just happy to still be here. That was there, you know, at that time when you know. It wasn't no such thing as rap music, uh, uh, hip hop music, right? 
We listen. We listening to our grandparents' music. We playing our grandparents' music and our aunts and uncles' music. We ain't, ain't. We're not even thinking that we creating a whole lifestyle genre of music or nothing like that. We ain't that ain't. That's the farthest thing from our mind. Yeah, and here we are today. People arguing over the semantics of it. You yeah, know? who started it? Um, what it did and. Oh, this and that, and they don't even understand what it is. Like, yo, come on, man. It's like, I still with Cool Hurt. I still with Africa Band, but I'm still standing with them, you know? Hmm, right on. You, you see a picture with Africa Bambada, uh, I'm I'm in that, I might be in that picture someplace. You see a picture of Cool Hurt, I might be right beside them. But I, I seen them, and they wasn't even there. They 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 didn't even know that they were starting something. Um, when we took it to our parents, our parents were like, "Get out of here with that noise!" Yeah, you know. But if only we knew, we would have been. You know, we knew the copyright and 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 all that. You know, we'd be living a whole different life. Indeed. Well, you know what? I can tell that that we're going to be all the way into this before we even get the intro started. So real fast, we're going to tell everybody what we got going on on this show and who's in the building. So first off, it's Capital City. I'm Capital J. This is my main man. DL Glass. We're in the building right now. We got yes, legendary, legendary member of the Cold Crush Brothers. Well, I actually started the Cold Crush Brothers. I'm the original DJ Tony Tone. Of the legendary Cold Crush Brothers, and go by the name of Tony Crush now. That you know what when when DL told me he said, "Man, you know who Tony Crush is." I was like, "Hmm, Tony Crush, Tony Crush." And then later on, Tony Tone. He said, "Tony Tone." I was like, "Oh, I know who Tony Tone is." <laughs> I did not know who Tony Crush was. I was embarrassed for a second. I was like, "Oh no, he stumped me. How did he stump me?" But yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah, so that's so how that happened. Yeah, too. that's exactly how it went down. When he said Tony Tone, I was like, oh, my whole body language changed. I was like, oh, Tony Tone's going, oh, that's what's up. So, so first of all, man, we are very happy to have you in the building, and we are honored that you take part in this podcast with us. It's my pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. If you ain't teaching, you ain't doing hip hop. Uh, my that's man, my man. Well, we so get ready to teach you. I get a chance to teach. I know I'm doing hip hop. Okay, well, well, this that's what we've been trying to do, and now I have a better teacher than myself. So, some of the things that we've already talked about, we talked about the early days of hip hop, right, and and how this thing started, and we talked about the impact it had, you know, on us from afar, watching it grow, because um early in early in the days. It was hard being in North Carolina to get your hands on Cold Crush music. You know, you had to you had to really be plugged in with the right channels to to have access to the music. But in New York, you guys got this whole thing jumping off. So start us from the beginning. When did when did the idea or the notion of 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 making this type of music and being involved in this lifestyle come to you and how did you get to forming the Cold Crush Brothers? Well, well it, it's a journey. Um, like Late 74, 
my godbrother took me, he asked me, did I know who Cool Herc was? So I said, nah. So he said, well, I'm going to take you to this place called the Hevelo. And he took me in the Hevelo, and it was like night and day. The music was night and day. I was I was working in the record store already, but when I walked in her Cool Herc party, he wasn't playing nothing that I was selling in the store. And I was like, like, what is this music he playing? Because I, I, I haven't heard 80% of this music. And I'm, I'm playing the top 40. But her was playing, like, the records that people wasn't playing on the, on the albums and stuff. Mm. Um, and I'm looking, and I'm, and I'm by the DJ booth, and I'm trying to peep over because they got half the DJ booth painted black. So you, and, but when I see the records, he already got tape over the record name, hiding the name. Yeah, he knew he knew mm-hmm. DJs was trying to peep the style. <laughs> yeah, because he was playing the the obscure record, the, the song. But you know, people think, oh, hip hop, rap music. No, it wasn't even called that because he was playing maybe sixty percent jazz. And um, R&B then was just called soul music. Um, so he played jazz, soul music, and rock and roll. Those are three main compositions of music that he's playing. Bob James, Etta James, um, Bill Scott Heron, um, the Jackson Five. Um, you know, but he playing. The songs that ain't being played on the radio that's on these albums. Right. And and from one DJ to the next, you know that when you walk into a party and you hear a guy rock, playing joints that everybody else ain't playing and the crowd's still with it, that's major respect right there. Yeah. And there ain't no cutting and scratching at that time. It's just he playing it from start to end. Ain't no cutting and scratching. But it's all the right music. Yeah, he's just playing all the right music. Right now, I I probably can play about 70 records that started hip-hop with no, like, like the the majors won't even, like, yo, what's that? I I just played a record, like, maybe last summer, last September. And the dude came over and said, what's that? And I said, it's the Jackson 5. He said, that's the Jackson 5. I said, yeah, that's the Jackson 5 you don't know about. Right. Hmm. I said, uh, I've, been, I've been doing hip-hop. Well, you ain't been doing it long enough if you don't know this record. <laughs> Spoken like a true yeah, DJ. Go back and do some homework. Go back and do your homework. You see, everybody always want to be a known. They want to know everything, but they don't do no research. Mm-hmm. You can't know something if you ain't if you ain't doing no research. I, I bet you I could play. I could be a quick a, a twenty records, and people won't even know this is what started hip hop. Right, right. They don't even know the artist. You know, I could play some Isley Brothers that people don't wouldn't even know it's the Isley Brothers if 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 they know who the Isley is. Right, a lot you of know, DJs. Brothers been out there a good, time, a long time since the fifties. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of DJs spend a lot a lot of time searching for those breaks from the early days too. But um was yeah. it it wasn't till those ultimate breaks and beats kind of cheated and gave them out to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. All that was top secret stuff, wasn't it? Let me tell you this, man. Cool Herc. He got this record that he was playing in 74, and he the only person I heard play this record till now. Wow. And I won't ask him what the name of it is. But that first night I stepped in his party, he played it. So now, when I'm around him and he play, he'll play it. Just to let me know he still got it. <laughs> nice. But I, but I still don't know the name of it. I think it's an Eddie uh, James record, but I ain't sure. Wow. But I ain't never heard nobody else play it. Wow, that's dope. Hmm. So, so tell me this. How long from, from 74, how long was it before you started seeing – did the MCs really take front and center? Well, the, like it all starts with the DJ. You Amen. know, the DJ putting everything together, building, building foundation, and everything. Um, back in when it, when I first walked to the court party, he was he was making announcements, doing a little rhyming while he made the announcement. You know, calling out you know, people in the party. But that's that's what he was doing. Um, maybe about maybe about seventy seven the MC start forming. Cause now the DJ need he need to be focused on DJ so he need a front man. Right, so he, but he pay got attention. I mean but her got Coca Rock there with him too. He got Coca Rock. You know, Coca Rock was doing the little rhyme and, you know, but he putting they putting in the structure of what this should be looking like, and we and and the rest of us sitting around and taking notice. Um, so now the 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 the, the three MCs come along. What now is known to people as the Furious Five, you know, Grandmaster Flash and the three MCs right. is now Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everybody's like, we started, and we, you know, we changed up and changed up and changed up until we got the formula to to keep going. Well, everybody now think, oh, it it started like that and it's been like that. No, it didn't. We changed up and added on, and and some people then passed on, and some people just didn't stick with it. You had to. You had to stick with it to make it work. You know, Cool Herc and the Herculoid, you know, Clark Kent, Coke Rock, the Imperial JC, uh, you know, these are the, the the real starter of this thing. Then the Africa Bambada come in with the Zulu Nation and then he started putting the elements First, it was five elements. Now it's um, it's probably about more than twenty elements of hip hop culture. Um, the 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 five the first five is the DJ, the MC, the B boy, the graph, the graffiti writer, 
And the fifth element is knowledge. You know, teaching and learning. Hmm. Right. What it's supposed to be like and how how you want to be perceived in this world. Um, people don't know, like the year 2000, we was invited to the United Nations and signed a treaty with the USA that hip hop is looked at as recognized as a culture. Nice. And we had delegates from different countries there to sign this treaty with us. 2005, hip-hop is in Cornell University, inducted into Cornell University in 2005. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that people don't understand that this culture has gone through. Speaking, you know, speaking of recognized. Hey, speaking of the, the international impact, now, I read somewhere that the Cold Crush Brothers one of the first hip-hop groups to really take hip-hop out of the United States. that true? Y'all hit the Japan early on in your career? 1983. Oh, man. Tell us about that, what it was like. We toured Japan for two weeks. Um, we did the first... We did, we did the first... It was supposed to be a graffiti documentary. But then it was like a little laid back and boring, so they added us to the mix. Right. Now, while the movie name is Wild Style, the first the movie first hip hop movie credited as the first hip hop movie. We started shooting in eighty one, finishing in eighty two, tour Japan in eighty three. So no hit record. No hit record. Hmm. When we tour in Japan because of this movie for two weeks. Uh, that's, stadiums. Uh, stadiums, not parties, stadiums of people that couldn't re- couldn't even understand us vibing to the culture in 83. So when somebody say, oh, I started hip-hop in 86, I'm like, yo, man, I was touring in 83. Right. So, you know, and you know that the impact of that movie, man, was well. First of all, I was telling DL at the time my way to see that movie. I don't know if the USA Network was one of the few stations mm-hmm. we had on cable, and they used to have this night flight program, and mm-hmm. and Wild Style would come on there. So I caught it, you know, back then. I was like, wow, I, why have I never heard of this? I don't remember it coming to the movie theater. Nothing is just popped up, and well, you know, the the, the director he did it on his credit card. <laughs> right, he, he 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 did he he did the movie on his credit card, him and his friend's credit card. That's how he shot the movie. He didn't even they didn't have the know it all to even give us like scripts to read and and say our lines and stuff. He just said, "Yo, say what you would say in this in this situation. Just just be yourself." Right, <laughs> right. And you can see it. It reminds like you could tell that Beat Street drew a lot from Wild Style when, yeah. when it came out. I mean, I mean, we um, I took the contract to my mother and said, "Yo, they want us to be in this movie, Ma." And she said, "Why would they want you to be in a movie?" And never even took the contract. 
to read it or say we need to take it to a lawyer or anything. So we signed the contract and we get 1% of the gross of the movie to to split six ways. Mm, wow. Does that and include that, future? <laughs> it's still the same way we get we get we still getting checks from the movie. Word. Well, five dollars, six dollars. There's there's some light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. We still getting checks thirty years later, forty years later. We still getting checks. But I say I, I I tell I tell it I try to tell it like it is because um we need to understand that. A parent need to be in their kid's life regardless, whether you think it's nonsense or whatever. You need to really pay attention to your kid and what he's doing or whatever because, you know, that that could have been a whole lot better for us if we had somebody say, okay, let's, let's really pay attention to this. Let's get this contract to a lawyer or whatever, you know. Right. We could have got, we could have been like, it could have been different, you know? It could have been different than us just taking it upon ourselves to sign it ourselves and agree to 1% of the movie. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but that's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. But personally, I've always felt like it's kind of criminal how under recognized. Cold Crush Brothers are, and I know that you know. Well, from, well I, would, I wouldn't say. Well, we 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 are named the Temptations of Hip Hop Culture. Um, we are we've been in a lot of write ups. We've been uh, we've been all over the world. It's man. just that our people don't give us the credit that that they should. Because they don't, they don't know. You know, you right. got Jay Z saying, "I'm overcharging for what they did to the Cold Crush because all all those guys copied and they built their style on on us." Yes. Um. I, we just put a lot of thought into it. Um. I was down with a group called the Brothers Disco before I started the Cold Crush. And the Brothers Disco um, grew into be the Funky Four and then later on became the Funky Four Plus One. I was, I was um, getting ready so to I, say, I remember that reference in, um, golly. Yeah, I had a, a, a old Sugar Hill Greatest Hits, 1981, yeah. and Funky Four Plus yeah. One. So, so you just, yeah. that's, man, that's incredible. Yeah, are. I started with them, um, break the DJ Breakout and Baron, and first it was just KK, the voice of KK Rockwell, and KK then Rockwell. they formed the Funky Four. Then they formed the Funky Four, and um, 1979, the um, Funky Four had a battle with the Furious Four, and then um. Raheem quit the Funky Four and went with the Furious, and and that became the Furious Five. 
and then Little Rodney C and Jazzy Jeff got down with the Funky Four, and then Shy Rock had left, but she came back and she became the plus one. And um, Rodney I saw, C, I saw all that happen. That's the Rodney C. Yeah. That's one of the Double Trouble guys from the Stoop. Yeah, that's that's one of the Double Trouble. Rodney C is one of the Double Trouble guy, and the other guys KK Rockwell. Man, you know what? Which is which are still around today, <laughs> and 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 I will get right. I will get you in touch with Rodney C so you can have him on the show too. Oh man, that'll be incredible, man. That we would greatly appreciate that because um, you know my my problem with with you guys not getting the proper recognition. It's not that that true hip hop heads don't know who you are. It bothers me that the casual fan doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Even even well, back I, five years, like five years after your heyday, let's say y'all at the best, it's really jumping in 81. Five years later in 86, I didn't feel like there was proper respect given to a cold well, we person. we still getting bookings. We still, we still getting bookings. You know, somebody just called me. They want to bring us out to Dallas. Um, you know, yeah, the culture's caught up now. The culture's caught up now, and you guys are, are you know, yeah, yeah. And especially, I mean, and, and you got people with hit records that don't don't want us to open up for them. They they still don't want us to open up for them. True, not because we ain't good enough, because they feel that they don't want to come on after us. And I can't say that respect has not been given because, if I'm correct, you are now in the Smithsonian, right? Yes, yes, yes. I I was asked to I was asked to go into the Smithsonian. At first I I turned it down, but then when they mentioned Emmett, Emmett Till, I said, Yeah, I wanna be in it. Yeah, that's, that's um, a lot f- of people might not know of Emmett Till or what the case is, but they need to learn. You know, they need to learn. They need to figure out whether you go you go you gotta teach yourself. Because the schools program you. They don't really teach you. They program you. So you got to be looking for avenues that are willing to teach you about your history, about who you are, about who you might want to be. Right. And the, and the impact. So that also means that the Smithsonian feels like your impact on our culture is important enough it, it, to stand beside the legacy of Emmett Till and all those other great people in there. And then, then you, sir, have gotten your respect. And, you know. I'm, I'm on the, my exhibit is on the third floor. It's about the size of a half a basketball court. Um, I got video in my exhibit where I'm teaching you. I got a um, creative record to show you the first coat. First, like twenty five records that started hip hop, and and I'm I'm doing a um, we got two videos screaming. I'm talking, yeah. Um, Cornell University inducted the first years of hip hop. Um, my picture is in there, you know, right next to the Ginsburg address. Um, so you know, hmm. nice. But these are the things people don't hear about. And we gotta, we gotta, 
we got to share it with our people because they're not going to share it with our people. They want you, they want us to say we ain't did that, and then they want other nationalities to say we ain't did nothing. Well, got- of course, they're going to they push the negative part of everything. Right. I got a question for you. When it came time to get the call from the Smithsonian, is it... I didn't get a call. Oh. Hmm. So they how, came to the house. Oh, they came to the <laughs> house. To the house. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So so did did that invitation go out to anybody else from the Cold Crush, or was it, was it you specifically? No, it was, yeah, they, came, they came to me. No. But I took the whole Cold Crush in with me. Because I didn't do it alone. Right. They came and they said, we want you to be, I gave them a whole sound system from like the 70, 72, 73. I gave them a whole sound system. And my whole sound system is in there. Um, and it says the Bronx on the, on the, on the fence. It says the Bronx. Um, but I said, listen, I, I want, I want everybody, I want my whole crew to go in with me. So I got my boys there with me. Nice. You know, they got other people in there. You know, they got things from other people. But they got a whole sound system for me. As well as the um the Universal Hip Hop Museum that's supposed to be opening up in the Bronx in 2024, I think. I donated some speakers and stuff to them as well. Oh, man. You know, a lot of this stuff I caught, I kept, so I could put it in museums because I... I just felt like I'm a collector. Let me say that I'm a collector. So I got I got stuff that should be in museums. So I'm I'm spreading it out. I just found out I got some stuff in the in the museum in Tennessee. Hmm. So nice man. It's- I ain't even been there yet, but I online I saw a, I, my cousin called me and said, "Hey, you know you got something in the Tennessee museum?" I said, "No, I, ain't, I don't know nothing about it." So, yeah, that's what's up. We man. even got we even got a shrine in in the Applebee's. <laughs> nice, in about six Applebee's. <laughs> that's what's yeah. up. So. That's what's up, man. So I'm I'm glad yeah. things are like they are. You know, we um we talked a lot about how hip hop changed from the the late seventies, early eighties, and how how the the whole sound got more polished. And yeah, yeah, and and all of this, you know. Tell us, um, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, in you know, hip hop in its original form is raw, is happening live. You know, um, of course there is some planning, but but you know, it's, it's everything is is improv a lot of times. And yeah, as, I mean, we was kids, we was kids doing what we saw hurt doing and enjoying it. Um, the Bronx was gang ridden, had over 300 gangs. You couldn't go to the next block because another gang was on the next block. So playing music in the street, loosened up that tension. And people took off their colors just to enjoy a couple of hours of music being played in the street. Um, like the whole thing, but then when you start taking notice and you seeing that this is take 
it got a structure. It's got a structure. It got a different structure. Like, um, you go to other clubs, you got to have on shoes. You got to be dressed up, button down shirt. You know, in Cool Herc Party, it's come as you are. Yep. Yeah, I talked about on one of the podcasts, the one of the things that I feel like ruined, um, ruined the club was was the dress code. They started enforcing dress codes in places that they used not to. Yeah, because everybody trying to be the grown club. They trying to be the grown club um, where they want people to come dressed up and you can't get in. If you got on sneakers, you can't get in. If you have on a certain type of hat, and you know. And Hurt didn't do that at his party. He like, yo, Hurt's about getting that money. So he's like, yo, come and come and, and feel comfortable. You can come dress up if you want to. But if you don't want to, still bring me that money. And there's something about that you music, know, I, man. Good yeah. music, good music will have people who don't get along. They'll come in there and they'll get along as long as the music's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I see, I see, I see parties where the music is, is playing and it's good and everything going good. And then people change up the floor of the music and next thing you know, people are fighting. Yep. I'm like, wow. Happens all the time. Like, you know, you know, and it's just that one it's that one or two people that wanna hear that type of music. And then it's twenty minutes into it. It's a it's an argument, a fight, something. Like, wow, man, like yo. Right. You know But you know, everything everything good they throw a, a a virus. Your computer working fine all of a sudden you got a virus. That's the same thing with life. Well, if you have it too much fun and enjoy life, they will put a virus out there for you. Well, speaking of the virus, we talked about the the impact of drugs on hip hop in one of our shows, right? Uh, and of course, <laughs> of course, from beginning to end to now, you've seen the impact uh, of that crack cocaine and what it did to the community, and it speaks volumes that you. Went from the beginning of your career, and at this point, you still had stuff that you could donate to a museum. A lot of people weren't blessed enough to have made it through through the rough times and still be able to hold on to to some of the more precious items they collected. So, tell me about the impact of drugs on the people around you and how you managed to to stay off them, stay oh yeah, make it to this point well, well, and still have stuff. Being a, being like like we was talking earlier, being a kid that worked in the tobacco, breaking tobacco, or doing cooking tobacco, taking tobacco to to the market to sell, all I did all of it. Um, when it came when it came time, my father asked me, "Do I want to start smoking?" I said, "No, I ain't. I don't want to start smoking." Um, I was drinking alcohol. I fell out. I passed out in the Cool Herc party at seventeen. The next day, I quit drinking. Just mm. totally quit drinking, and I still don't drink. And I'll be sixty-two this year. 
Um, I've seen the, the crack era just came in and just ate up a whole lot of people, ate up a whole lot of things dealing with, you know, life. And luckily, a couple of people was able to, to survive it. A lot, a lot of people didn't survive it. I mean, just like, I mean, and I don't mean just people in hip hop. I mean, like, real, like, like people like Sly Stone and uh, people on that level. Right. You know, it doesn't, you know, messed up, you know, messed up their life and, and just ate them up from the inside, you know. you know, I don't. I don't been around presidents. I don't been around. You know, the chocolate cars. The I seen. I was lucky enough to see James Brown perform. Um, you know, I, people don't. You don't get a chance to be around these people. You know, I sat. I sat with George Clinton one night in in a club, and Rodney Dangerfield is sitting over here, and you know, it's like. I seen Eddie Murphy like rolling the club with security, and I'm saying, why is he the only one got security? Everybody in here is in here because they somebody, <laughs> but he the only one walking around with security. Like, like yo, you you around your people, man. Wait, well, you don't need this security in here. Yeah, I seen but, that. <laughs> but that's how, you know, you can't tell a man how to roll. So you know. But I, I I also seen like I used to walk in places and and Russell Simmons before he became Russell Simmons would like yo come come here let me talk to you um, explain to me what y'all doing I sat there and, and then it taught him hip hop right you know when. Uh, he used to call me every week. When he signed LL Cool J, he called me down to the record company and said, yo, could you mentor my new artist? You know, and I said, yo, what you, your name is LL? Um, meet me at this club, Broadway International, and ask for me at the door, and I'm going to come down and get you in. You know, it, as I said, you got to pass it on. You got to you got to help the next man in this culture. I agree. Um, because, you know, well, you got to help the next man in everything. You know, but, but people don't do that. People don't reach back. People don't reach forward. They just get it and try to hold on to it. Yeah. But what good is that doing? What good is that doing? If That's- we got hip-hop, if we got what we now call hip-hop and kept it to ourselves, would it be all over the world? No. It would just be in a little corner of the Bronx doing nothing. Yeah, the younger generation is a little bit more guarded with their stuff. You know, I, I yeah, know personally I got what... They've been bamboozled all over again. Yeah, they you got to share. They, yeah, you got to share. You got to open that door for the next people because what you get in the yard, but it's a lot more there. You ain't going to get it all. You got to keep this thing growing for it to still be able to 
to live, to to make money, to 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 change people's lives. You know, this come from some kids on the street, and now it's creating billionaires. Right. They came in. They they stole a lot of it. They stole all of it. They get all of it. But they don't want. They don't want all of it. They just want the part that go make them millionaires and be able to send their kids to college and all that. They ain't worried about you sending your kids to college, but they 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 gonna try to make sure they able to send their kids to college. And 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 I don't I don't understand how people can see them becoming millionaires. And don't say, okay, well, if they can become millionaires, we can become millionaires too. Right. Because this is actually our thing. So, so I got a question for you. <clears throat> yeah. Out of after watching what hip hop became through the years, and seeing how you know, like let's say the early days, like how does Why didn't, like, let's take the guys from the Wild Style movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so many dope MCs in there. And mm-hmm. as hip-hop grew, I wonder what, I mean, maybe you can give me a little insight. Why didn't so many of those great MCs, why didn't they get that chance when hip-hop was was really exploding? And becoming a, a more national thing. Like I'm talking because, about it. because you become a you be you become a throwaway to the system. You become a throwaway, like somebody. Um, they got they they want they start getting so much. You become a throwaway because they want the new. They want to grab hold of the next thing coming and use that and then throw that away and get the next thing because so it's always going to be somebody waiting in line for their chance and these people they call it the music business because that's all it is to them they they caring about the culture and and building a positive life they just want you to what this is the next this is the next one okay let's get them Let's give him, let's give him a million dollars. We're going to use him, get all we can out of him. We're going to make $50 million. We're going to give him $1 million. We're going to make $50 million, Then we're going to throw him away and try to find the next next thing. Right, right. I was, I was that's talking. How, that's how they do. Right. I was talking with Dia earlier, like, out of, like, all the... You know, most of the people from the from that early era when hip hop was all in the videos and everything, you know, I was just telling them earlier, it's like Kool Mo D had a chance mm-hmm. and he he did well. But when you think like that, you know, Busy Busy B didn't get that same run during that era, you know. Um, no, well, Busy B is still running around doing his thing. He got a new, he got a couple of new joints out now. One called Smoke On, and you know. He doing his thing. He running around with a band, doing his doing his shows and all that. He he in the Baltimore area. 
but he, you know, he's all over. He, you know, he was touring with KRS One for a while and 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 doing shows with KRS One. He's still doing the same. Yeah. Still today. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just feel like I missed those guys when, when I was watching LL and the Fat Boys and all them come up. I expected that it was yeah. my chance to finally see the guys that I had always heard, but never got a chance to see. Because when rap got visual, and and you started being able to see videos on BET and the box and all of this, I felt like where I was, I was missing out on my chance to see these guys. And what they do, no, I always they, heard them, but I missed doing it. Was what what the Def Jam and this and that start doing? They start forming cliques. Mm. So you wasn't part of that clique. You couldn't. You couldn't. They had they they lanes chiseled out, and they this is they lane. So you ain't down with that Def Jam or whoever. You ain't a part of that click, so now they get they clicking and they doing the fresh, fresh one, the fresh, fresh two, and they taking and moving them around. You know, Houdini, Run DMC, and a couple of other groups, um, which we friends with all of them. I just talked to John Lil. He, you know, he I reached out to him a couple of times, and he called me back the other night and was like, "Yo, you know, thanks for you know checking on me, fam." You know, we right. a lot of us close. You know, Kane. You know, a lot. Of, they they show us respect, and 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 they and we become families with. You know, yeah, everybody. So I mean, you know, even even Molly Mall. I, I last time I was around Molly Mall, I said, "Listen, all this Bronx versus Queens, we got to stop that. We got to bring that to a head because it's not actually like that anyway." But they've been formed, they've been brainwashed to be a clique. So that's who they deal with. Right. Right. You know, where in the Zulu Nation, we, we, everybody is universal. We universal love, universal family. But they, they don't, they make these guys think that if you if you be friends with them, then you got to share your fame with them. You got to share that money with them. Did that did that early South Bronx Queens rivalry um, do anything? You think it caused any lasting damage to the to the original culture? We wouldn't we wouldn't let it. We wouldn't let it because we constantly we still you know Zulu Nation anniversary and this and that and it's. And when you got people coming from Germany, Russia, um, to the Bronx to represent their hip hop at a, at a at a Zulu Nation anniversary, you know that tells you something. People paying their money to travel here and say, "Yo, this is what we got from y'all, and this is what we did with it." Right. You know, Ice 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 T. You know, he came. He he's been out, been rolling with us since the early eighties. Yeah. You know, his um, man Donald D was from from the west, from the east coast, wasn't he? Yeah, Donald. Yeah, Donald D. We grew up in the same project. Right, Donald right. Donald D lived right down the block from me. 
You know, he hit me up. Boom, yo, what's up? Africa Islam, you know, down with the rhyme syndicate, you know, all we, they all from the Bronx. Um, you know, and it, it's when, but this is what I'm saying. The branching out is, is crucial. For you, you to see coming from the, jumping off the roof and you going to live in Germany, you going to live in France, you going to live in Italy, and they and they and they grab onto you to get the nourishment, the hip hop nourishment that they want to be able to grow into something in their area. And we're not saying do it like us. We just giving you the basics and wanting you to put your spin on it. We don't want it to stay the same. We want it to evolve and grow into something better. So the tenth element now of hip hop a couple of years ago is veganness. Is what? We got it's vegan. Vegan. Oh vegan. Yeah. Right. You got John Sally was at the ceremony. You got so many people that's vegan. You know, and John Sally from the NBA walked up to me and said, yo, you, you've been a bad boy for a long time, man. I usually come to y'all parties and I was seeing you. And I said, you know, uh, and I'm taking it. This is John Sally telling me this. Right. You know, we, we hanging out with Reggie Miller, um, Gary Payton. I, I ran into Gary Payton in, in Las Vegas. And he was like a little kid to me. And I'm like, yo, this is the glove. <laughs> he's like, yo, he's like, know, yo, yo, this is Tony Crush. Come to my house, <laughs> yeah, come to my house. You know, but I, you know, I, I, I've been in, I was in Denver, and I was talking to this kid, and when I told him who, you know, I hugged him and I whispered in his ear who I was, he faded in my arms. <laughs> yeah, man, I was, I was excited too, man. Too, when he came to, he said, yo. It's like a fairy tale. Like you, y'all are like fairy tales. Yeah. And when I say too, I'm thinking of an old, old person. And this was like maybe five, ten years ago. But he, but you know, these people that live in these places, they never would think they'd run across one of us. Right. So when, so when they run the of course, one of us, of course, you know, they like, oh, they feel like the luckiest person in the world. You know, people are naming bars after uh, Cold Crush. I, when I was in Denver, my man said, yo, they got a bar over here named Cold Crush. So I was like, yo, take me by there. Soon as I walked in, told the dude at the door, yeah, yo, tell the only Tony Crush is here. He's like, oh, man, come on in, come on in. You know, because there was some cats from Brooklyn that moved out to Denver and they named their bar after us. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor, you know, to have people that look at us like that, that think of us like that. Yeah, no doubt. And as a, as a DJ, too, it feels good, man, just being recognized. You know what I'm saying? We Yeah. 
Yeah, we appreciate it. And like it. I said, you know, it's, it's, I enjoy talking to people, and I, I, you know, I hope I'm giving people a lot of stuff that they don't know that's going on because it's all stuff you can, you can, you can search the internet and say, oh, he was right. You know, he, 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 he letting us know about that we should know about already. Right. Yeah. You know? Have you heard anything about Swiss Beats starting a foundation? A, a foundation to um to get the hip hop pioneers money. I heard that he was. I think he he jumped the gun and started saying that he wanted to give every uh, all of us a million dollars, and then Cat start like reaching out to him. And I'm and I'm sitting here looking at this, and I'm saying, why does everybody just start slamming him? Like yo, you know, like. I'm saying, so I called Grandmaster Cass and Cass, Cass, I was like, yo, he's like, yo, let it happen. I said, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna reach out to him. You know, we like, yo, if if we don't come up in, in the lineup, we don't care, you know, because we're not doing this for that. We appreciate that he said that. But you know, sir, the same people—they're gonna always when it's money, they gonna reach out because it's money. They're not reaching out for what they should be reaching out. They reaching out because it's money and they're greedy. Right. You know. If I got a question for my you. thing is, should speech. What you gonna do for the generation that's coming after us? What are you going to do for the education system? What are you going to do to make these kids' lives easier with the learning and 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 what they're going to be when they grow up? You know, this is a whole lot of gray areas with our people. Um, our kids ain't being taught. Well, we we know we live in two different worlds. Right. Well, I look at it like that. A lot of people, we don't, they sleeping and they, they, they caring about the wrong thing. But I know, like, we living in two different worlds. And our kids is getting 40% and white kids are getting 80%. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do to even that out? Are we going to open up our own schools and teach our own kids what we need to teach them to survive? Got to give more back ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, we got to take control of of teaching our kids, take back control of teaching our kids. But they they programming our kids. They're not teaching our kids. And we got to get that in everybody's head that we are being programmed when we go to their schools and they're not teaching us. Right. They giving their kids all the opportunities to come out of school and to be making that type of money. And, and they're not giving our kids that, that same opportunity. Yeah. So. Well, have you, um, have you thought about, um, you know what? What are you doing along those lines? Because I can tell you got a passion for this. 
So is there anything that, that you want to tell us about that, that you got going on? That, that, well, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm, 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 you know, sometimes I got to force to, to sit down and calm down because, um, I, I, I thought my head started hurting cause I'm just, my mind is running. Like, what can I do before I get up out of here? That's going to make a difference to, in the community, to my community, to your community. Um, I think I've did enough that. Somewhere along the line, my name is gonna continue to pop up for a while. I'm in, I'm in like four different museums um, across the country, so I'm not too concerned about me. I'm concerned about the community and 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 people, kids. Um, right now, I'm trying to start. Um, I'm putting together this Hip Hop Elders Association. Um, where we can, um, we're going to start with like small insurance, um, where somebody invests in it, um, you die, your family get a, a, a check to bury you in and whatever. Um, that's where we're going to start. And then we're going to start to grow into healthcare and try to get people, um, policy, policies so people can have health coverage. Um, my wife is trying to open up a school um, called the Future School, so she's trying to build that. Um, you know, and we're gonna try to help with that, and you know, might start off with one small school and then try to grow it into something big, where you know, it might can be two or two to five within the next 10 years um, across the country. Uh, we got to start building our own schools. We got to start building our own organization to take care of. And then, when I say our people, I don't mean black people. I mean people that are basically in the same situation that we in, um, whether it's black, white, um, I, and I don't even play them color games because that's all they are, colors. I'm talking about, I try not to even do the Afro-American because to them, African-American means property. Right. So I don't even try to do that. And I try to explain people that we want to be seen as black or we want to be seen as African-American more than we want to be recognized as human beings. And everything they do is to try to declassify you as a human being. Right. So when they kill you, they don't feel, they don't want people to say, to feel like they, somebody, a human being just got killed. Yeah. They want them to think first that, oh, a black person got killed. Yeah. Well, you know, and we don't focus. A lot of us don't even focus on that we human beings, and that's they've been trying to they've been trying to declassify us as humans so fucking long that we even falling for it now. Oh, I'm black. Why can't I be black? Because that's a color. <laughs> yeah. When I read this thing and it said. <clears throat> African-American means 
property to them. That's why they got the stand your ground laws and it worked for black white people, but it don't work for black people. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta you gotta under, you gotta look at that and really think like try to think like them. Everything that they not okay with, they put a color on it. White women that have kids by black men, they call grays. Oh, you got one pinch of blood, black blood, You're you black. considered black. Yep. They got their, that's their color code thing. And we going right along with it. We playing right into the game. Because when you say, oh, yeah, I'm black and all that, that means you certifying what they saying. You going along with what they saying. Right. So we got to stop giving them the we giving them the power to say, oh, everything they say, we willing to go with it. Like, oh, master say I am, so I am. Yeah. So so I can tell I can tell that this is this is where your your second passion is outside of hip hop. So whatever you Uh-oh. and your wife or what if she gets her school going, whatever y'all decide to do, keep us up with that so that we can support because you know, we're all down for change right about now. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we all need the change. We all need our people to say, Hey, we human beings and really Put it out that that we are human beings because that's why they win it because we agree with them that we're not human beings. Amen. And we don't intend to, but that's what they that's they got us blind, my um, brainwashed, and and we just follow and they lead. How you gonna hang people for all this time and nobody been prosecuted for? For lynchers, are anybody black? Are anybody willing to help black? Right, man. That would be a whole separate podcast. We we <laughs> but, <laughs> but it ain't talked about enough for people to really, you know, everybody want to ignore it. Oh, yeah, ain't nothing gonna happen. Ain't nothing gonna happen if you don't never speak about it. When you start speaking about it, maybe something will happen. Right. But this is how I this man felt he could kill George Floyd on national TV in front of the world. Yeah, and we still don't know if he's gonna get away with it. Yeah, we still don't know. And that's why they pro they pro they prolonged it. So oh, okay, now the tension is down. Ain't nobody, you know, we might have had a million people paying attention to it, but now it's only like 100,000 people paying attention to it. So we might just push it under the rug. <laughs> but since that, look how many other people done got killed, lost their lives for some BS. True. Right down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we not saying, you know, yo, that. We don't want the trial to be next week. We want the trial to be right now while it's fresh in people's minds. Yeah. Oh, well, we got a, we got a lot of cases. 
You can move this one up. This one is more, is important enough for you to move it up. I agree. You know, but they want people to forget. You know, move on to the next thing and all this and that. So they, yeah, they put it back. They they push it off as long as they can. I feel like they want to. You know, the government is is um should be held responsible for a lot of this stuff. Well, because the government is the one that's putting it out there, making laws and holding on to it. On the uh, on the issue of the government, when where it relates to hip hop, have you seen any government infiltration involved with the um, on the musical side? Because you know how you know how there's word of the hip hop police, so they would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know they when they was trying to classify the Zulu Nation as a gang. I know we had infiltration. And, and our ranks and all that, um, but they never, they was never really able to put anything big on us. Yeah, we had a couple of uh, bad apples, you know, because it's all from the street. So yeah, you got a couple of bad apples, but they couldn't get. They haven't been able to get nothing really. Anything that they can say, okay, let's shut this down. Um, you know, yeah. but you ain't trying to shut down the Ku Klux Klan. You ain't trying to classify them as no terrorists. So they classified the Zulu Nation as a gang. Yeah. So you know, we did a podcast too on the impact of gang culture on hip hop. What um, what did you see back then as far as the impact of gang culture in the early days compared to what you saw coming into the? 90s and 2000s. How did that I change? Mean, I mean, the gang, the gang culture was 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 before hip hop, and that's how people was living. Uh, I think it, it gave hip hop a jump start, really, because a lot of the gang members took off their colors and become hip hoppers. Mm. It wasn't hip hop at first, but you know that's what it grew into. Um. I was in the game. You know, I was in the game called the Undertakers. You know, um, I went to a school that had 60 different games in it. And only me and one more, one other dude was was in the Undertakers, so we didn't even have, we didn't have the <laughs> opportunity to wear our colors in school because it was only two of us <laughs> in it. Um, so I think the, uh, the, the game culture added to a lot of the culture that, that's now um, in hip-hop. Um, it gave it flavor. Um, it gave it uh, some sense of fashion and, uh, you know, all that. Um, we, 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 from the beginning, so we see, we see all the different turns and hooks and stuff that changes, um, Long before Biggie and them was wearing the pinstripe suits and stuff, the big ass we was wearing them before that. Um, I, we had a show called Gangsta Chronicles in '81. We battled the um, Fantastic Five. Our show was Gangsta Chronicles. We came out with the pinstripe 
suits on um, with toy machine guns and stuff. And we had a whole skit, a whole gangster skit. Um, we did this leather spikes. Um, we saw Rick James and we saw Earthman and Fire the way they was dressing. So we had that that element in hip hop at some point in time. So we looked at the we looked at the entertainers because that's what we were striving to be, like the entertainers. So yeah, we changed up. We changed up a lot, you know, trying everything. And now these kids, you know, they don't even they they don't even care really. But I I can't say they don't care, but because they doing their own culture, they doing the culture they want to do. And they they trying to you know fag the dress and like they want to dress, um, but I just watched this thing um, two days ago and how the lady was saying in the early seventies this dude was speaking on um, a lot of the the dress win and all that, and he was talking about this in the seventies that how it was being get to all that midwear dresses, um, black culture wearing dresses and stuff. Um, so like I've been telling people for years, this ain't just happening. This has been put in place and now it's coming in to fruition. You know, somebody sat around and been guiding this in the direction that it's going. And people just think, oh, this is just happening and, you know, no, this was put in line to start happening. As far so as... They, 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 they steering, they steering and they making stuff happen. They're, this is not just happening. Somebody is is controlling the narrative so this can happen. Yeah, we, we talk a few times about how how um how you could see that that once we lost control of hip hop the the content became one thing, it was all negative. And that ain't what it used yeah. to be. And you know we had no. a whole show about well, that. When we when it's um it's one thing to lose control. It's another thing to be brainwashed when you're not being brainwashed, and they triggering such a different situation. And and they 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 are making things happen because they they sitting around the table and they saying yo this is where we want it to be like 2021 this is how we want it to be by 2028 and they they steering it and they making they making stuff happen. And, and guiding it that way. Right. These people are very 
vindictive and all that. And we got to understand who we dealing with. These are people that have dropped bombs on us, has burnt down whole colonies, all that. And the government just let them get away with it. And if they get control of the music. I was in a room room one day, and we said hip-hop, and there were some guys maybe 10, 15 years older than us. So when I seen their attitude towards what we was playing, I went over and talked to them. I said, yo, how y'all doing? You know, we, I see y'all not really feeling this music. Nah, this ain't real, no real music. I said, but, you know, you don't think this could be our own way of of the revolution? They said, uh, after Mark, after Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, there's no such thing as a revolution. I said, you don't think this could be a... He said, listen to me. He said, they could come in this room right now and kill all of us. And there'll be the same people telling your family we're going to find out who did this. This is who we dealing with. This is Capital City with Capital J. So, you know. But, you know, everybody else wants you to be the hero. They want you to be the, instead of getting behind you, they just go sit back and say, and like, how long is it going to take for them to kill them? <laughs> you know, they... They can't get back, so how long is it going to take for them to kill you? How they going to kill you and all that, you know? Well, while while we in this lane, tell me some of the things in your career, you know, things that you dealt with as an artist that that speak directly to what we were just talking about right there. I mean, you things, know, it's you know, like... Things that happen. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm asked to leave a lecture... Because I'm willing to ask certain questions. And then people jump up and say, well, who are you to say? And who are you to say? And I said, huh? Who am I to say? You the one sitting up there calling Sylvia Robinson your hero in hip-hop. But she one of the first ones to start robbing hip-hop. What make you want to make her your hero. So it's safe to assume that, you know, Sugar Hill Gang wouldn't rank too high in your category. Well, Sugar Hill, Gang, Sugar Hill Gang is a, is a studio <clears throat> group. Sugar Hill Gang was never in the street with us. They right. came together to do that record. They, you know, they was a formed group. But I'm just saying, when you got uh, when you got somebody now, you know the Robinson grandkids is running around saying, "Oh, my my, my grandmother started hip hop." Like your your grandmother started hip hop. You know they got the showing on on the 
oh, the first family of hip hop, the Robinsons. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's like, how'd you get that credit? Just owning the label. Yeah, it's only a label, but that's how they that's how they put it out there. So that's where people start believing. You know, it's like the music when when the when the records start coming in play. That's when the groups start falling apart. That's when hip hop start falling apart because now it it just becomes a a a, a way to make money to them. Then they kill off the positive hip hop and come up with the gangster rap. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we do. I, I, I go to the West Coast and they play curses on the radio. They play music records with curses on the radio. I call. I call home and like, yo, they playing the curses on the radio out here. It's a problem. Yeah. You know. But this is what I say when everything is going to good, they start planting planting viruses and everything. Because they don't want it to perceive be perceived as something good for your community. Well. They try to tear it down. So they could control. Is because it? now people are looking at it as those black kids, those black kids. So they don't want them to think nothing positive is coming out of those black kids. Who do you see now that you think has that spirit that's on the scene, an artist that you can relate to on the, on the level that that you feel like well, I mean, they all blindfolded by the they all blind by the money. They all blind by the money. They they not even the music that's being made. They they ain't even being made right. You know, when we start making the few records we make, we would go in the studio, and the engineer would teach us how to make the record. Right. Now these guys is going into in the studio and they telling the engineer to shut up and do what I want. They taking the mathematics out of making music. A lot of these guys everything don't have engineers. Math. No. Everything got to do with math. Even you walking, you walking at a rhythm to walk correct. You can't even walk to this music. You can't even dance to this music because it's so off. I have the same problem with a lot of this stuff, too, when they just feel like dudes just take off like somebody shot a gun and they just take off rapping and just damn what the beat says. I'm going this fast. Yeah, the music is going one way and and what they said is going the other way. It's like I seen a party go from dancing to just standing around when this music come on. Background music. Is that everything's throwaway nowadays? And yeah, I, you know it's hard. It's hard for classics to 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 rise up because everything's so throwaway. 
But you know, yeah. you still get them that pop up every now and then, though. Yeah, you get you get one or two that I don't know if they really focus on making it better or it just happen. <laughs> but you know, they can't they can't come in on the one. You know, they can't do eight bars. You know, because they don't even care. You can tell who got good mentors. You know, yeah, you you hear young they, artists. They, do they even listen? I'm like, yo, until the day, I don't want no ass kisses around me. If something is wrong, bring it to my attention. If you got a better plan, bring it to my attention. Don't just go with me because of who I am. Bring it to my attention like, yo, I don't think that'll work. Too many yes men. Yeah. It's like, yo. What are we going to do? What are we going to teach the kids? What are we going to have our women look at us and think? But because they think, they got them thinking that if they're not really making no money, he ain't shit. And that's what a lot of women is is looking for. What type of money you got? It's a poisonous not mentality. Kind of not, not what kind of knowledge you got, what you got to offer. Um, you know, is your heart good? You know, they don't care about that because somebody else done told them that don't mean nothing no more. Yep. Is he a stand-up man? Um, is he going to fight for you? No. A lot of women care if you are. What kind of car you driving? Um, can you take me to Red Lobster? You know, I told my friend, my friend is 25 year retired lieutenant. You know, so he's trying to do stuff in Waco, Texas. I ain't even know him. My man said, yo, let's go out there and, you know, see what we can do help, to help him. So we jump on the plane. We we introduce ourselves. We go out and jump on the plane and go out there. We having a conference, and they going back and forth, back and forth. So I stand up and I was like, "Yo, you know, you know, it's a snake in here, right?" Oh, oh, why you say that? Why you say that? I said, "Cause as soon as we started this conference." It's some back and forth. And, and, some, and somebody in here ain't willing to agree to nothing. So that just let me know it's a snake in here. <clears throat> I said, what? Just like we in this room going back and forth? They're in the room someplace going back and forth too. So don't think we the only one doing something. We try to do something positive. And they in another room trying to do something negative to our people. So while we here going back and forth, we only hurting our people. Yeah. Because nobody want to get on the same, want to go in the same direction. Maybe because this ain't your thing, so I don't really want to flow with you. 
I want you to flow with my idea. And this is where we, that's the way we always hit the wall at. This is where we hit the wall at because if they don't send them, people themselves start, oh, if I'm, if not, if I'm not in control of it, then I don't want to flow with it. And they throw it off. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I want to help you and the pioneers. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then when I call the pioneers together, it's a whole bunch of back and forth. Because some people are thinking, how can I get money out of this? Other people are, are trying to say, I want to look like the head of this. I want to be the head of this. You know, so it's, it's a whole bunch of stuff that come to the table that ain't necessary. Right. We try to start the Federation for the Preservation of Hip-Hop Culture some years ago. And the vice president and the president kept bumping heads. I was like, yo, we don't get this first right, this first table right, this ain't going to work. We got to get this first table working together for this to work. And it never happened. Wow. So now I'm trying to start the Hip Hop Elders Association. Okay. Don't want to hear it. What, what would that, what would that do? Everybody that's in the table to, to, to let's, let's go this way and this way is for the people. Don't start thinking about your individual self. This is for the people. Let's figure out how to get people insurance. Let's figure out how to get people health insurance, Let's, death insurance. Let's figure out how to, how to, how to how to open up these schools, non-profit, for-profit, uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, if we can, we got to do a non-profit, and, you know, let's get our lawyers together, let's get them to figure this out. Hey, the insurance line is a good way to go, man, you know, to dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I'm like, yo, we got doctors that come out of hip-hop. We got lawyers that come out of hip hop. Why not reach out to them and say, "Listen, we we need to get this right or closest to right this time." Because anything positive, they coming for you. They coming either to shut it down or to buy it from you. We can't be bored. I can't be bored. Uh, I can't be bored. I turned down Sugar Hill Records. I turned down Def Jam Records. I, I turned down at least five record companies coming up. And you know why? Why? Because they wasn't they wasn't doing nothing for us. They wasn't doing nothing for us. And, and to prove it, everybody that was on Sugar Hill Records is still trying to get money out of Sugar Hill Records 30 years later. Everybody that was on that label. Right. They got a, a lawsuit going, still trying to get money. Sylvia Robinson done passed away. 
Her husband, Joe Robinson, uh, passed away. Her son, Joey Robinson. The only one left is Lee, Lee, Leland Robinson, and he's getting all the money. And he offered them the, like $1,000 to drop the lawsuit. Oh, Just give them some money. Right. Just give them some money. Especially when you when they built the whole legacy. Yeah. Turned down Def Jam. Russell tried to sign us three times. Turned down Def Jam. He wanted us to change our name from the Cold Crush Brothers to the Cold Crush Crew. And have instead of using C's, use K so we could be known as the KKK party. Get out of here, Russell. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not selling my soul. Selling oh, my, my goodness. Oh. Yeah, controversy. That's, you got to build controversy. I don't want that type of controversy. Nah. I don't want to be connected to no KKK at any point. Right on. And who knows? They might come. place right time yep and then and then sold Jeff Yam to the Chinese but stayed on as a figurehead to make our people still think he you know he was the man he owned it he's still doing this thing when the money is going to the Chinese people now right behind the scenes stuff nobody knows about yeah all of them sold uh I all of them sold. And, but still, no. Don't tell your people that you don't own it no more. Because you want to make money off your people. So now they, they helping you swindle us. Right. Well, you know. So, so at, at this, not to change direction or anything, but, but at this no, point. No, no, change direction. Because I'll keep, you know, <laughs> well, let's get back to the hip hop. Yeah, well, well, I'm a DJ. I know a lot of DJs, and mm-hmm. and you know, they they just never seem to stop working. <laughs> you still working? Yeah, yeah, I'm working. Yeah, so I'm working. So what's well, well, we got? We got to stop accepting, just accepting what they give us, like. You know, like, 
they made National DJ Day January 20th. Like, who came up with that day for it to be <laughs> National DJ Day? What that, can you do on January 20th? Yeah, that's supposed to be a date in the summer. Yeah. Where you can get outside. Yeah. Like maybe the third Saturday in July. I'm saying, who who came up with January 20th? And, and why did we just accept it? <laughs> because that's how they got us programmed. I don't know. I never really celebrated it. Well, you know, me neither, but, you know, if, if two of us celebrated, then that's, <laughs> that's too, too many. Like, yo, you know, I'm like, yo, okay, now that I don't celebrate 4th of July no more, because I learned what that was all about. So let's move National DJ Day to July 4th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what, um, so what kind of what like what what's a typical gig nowadays? Um, well, I got a sound company. I got a uh, sound company. I produce ten thousand people, so I'm I'm pushing that. Um, I go sometimes. I'm I'm asked to go to colleges and and talk and give lectures. I do that. Um, I try to do a lot of like I'm supposed to do. Juneteenth this year because I basically just start finding out what Juneteenth is about. So I'm supposed to do Juneteenth um, June, June 19th, but the COVID they got like restrictions up here with the COVID. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll push it back to 2021. I mean, 2022. Um, you know, right. I'm, I'm shows. Um, you know, so so you are available. Yeah, I'm 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 always available. Make sense, I'm available. Um, well, I'm like, yo, you need a system, and 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 Kentucky, I'm bring, I'll bring a system. If your buddy is saying you can, you can have me bring a system. I'm on my way. You know. That's what's up. That yeah. quality sound. Hey, give them give them your information, so they know how to get in contact with you, um, with you for your well, business. I'm, I'm totally crush on everything: Facebook, um, you know, Instagram, um, DJ Tony Crush at Gmail um, dot com. You know, I'm I don't drink, but I I'm 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 part of this. Um, Hip hop beers. We coming out with a company called Hip Hop Beers. Um, Cold Crush got a beer called Cold Crush. It's the IPA. Um, we're trying to sign Rockem. We're trying to sign Rozelle. And we could do a craft beer, seltzer water, or energy drink. Um, so you know, and the artist, if it's like it, like say if it's Razel, Razel beer. He gets the percentage of the sales off his beer. Razel, um, yeah, from the roots. Wow, I hadn't heard yeah. his name in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, we met with his manager two weeks ago. We met with we met with Rockin manager. Um, we might be doing um like a a, a honest beer. 
for, you know, the fallen soldiers, we might be doing a notorious for Biggie. Um, we might be doing an ecstasy for ecstasy for Houdini. Um, different things. Um, we try to sign West Coast artists as well. Um, and everybody get a cut of their beer, you know. We come up with a flavor. So far, we got a Zulu stout, you know, for the Zulu <laughs> The Zulu stout. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, you know, just trying to do stuff. Um, some, and, you know, trying to get it off the ground. We probably going to have a couple of tap houses. Um, one, we try to look at Denver and, um, and, um, Arizona for the first two and probably Troy because they got some breweries, the Bronx Brewery and Bronx and all that. Um, got a couple up here in Connecticut. So we just trying to branch out and bring, bring the culture to our people, you know, because we drink beer too. I mean, what well, I don't drink beer, but, <laughs> you know, people at the pop drink beer too, so. Right. We try to get this twist, you know. So we looking for, you know, investors and stuff like that. Um, like I said, we try to open up schools and programs. Um, you know, Jam Master before he passed, he had the Scratch Academy and that's still going on. Um, my friends down at in Denver, they started the DJ school out there that's doing pretty well. And I'm and um and I was just thinking about starting a DJ school in this area and dedicated to my 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 partner um, DJ Outlaw. Um he passed away like five years ago. Mm, sorry um, to hear that. Everybody thought he was Puerto Rican, but he was actually Italian. Um, <laughs> but the blackest Italian I ever met. Um, so, you know, it's like, when I took one step, he took two steps, you know, and everybody was like, yo, why you keep getting these Puerto Ricans or whatever as your partner? I'm like, I'm not getting them. They just, they, they coming and they, and and it's a fit. Yeah, it's right. I'm not picking and choosing. I mean, maybe God is sending them to me, <laughs> you know, because they, you know, yeah. they take it like I'm taking, you know. I mean, Allah would give you the shirt off his back, you know. Uh, every, sometimes you say, yo, I need some music, people are like holding on to it, like, hey, hey yo, give him whatever he wants. You know, it's you can't play it all. You can't play it all. Right. So why, you know, people want to walk around with four terabytes of music and only play like 2% of it. Like, yo, you can't play it all. So why try to hold on to all of it like that? Right. Do you you still have records around? Yeah, I got records. Around. I got records every place in yeah. this house. Yeah, me too. My wife, my wife is about tired of all these records I got. I just won't let them go. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> well, you know, like when people pass away, they might give me their records before they pass away, or 
somebody might say, you know, somebody passed away and they got records in the storage or whatever. Uh, they just want to get rid of them, you know. So I like I got I got my records in the basement. I got somebody else's records in my garage, and I got somebody else's records in my truck. And then I had somebody else's record in a in a warehouse. So the dude, the last person I collected records from, I think he had like over five hundred crates of records. So I put them in the truck and I brought them to Connecticut and put them in a. And he's like, "Yo, I need like three thousand dollars." So I said, "Okay, I sell, get the money." And I, so he's like, "Well, you know, you give me three thousand dollars soon as I, because I need it quick, and you can have the rest." So I, that's what I did. I, I sold what I could to get the three thousand dollars, and then he said, "Yo." You go out the rest. Um, you know, so I got people that buy records, um, that's looking for records to buy as long as they please. Um, when our Lord died, he left a public full of records. He told his girl, you know, half the records was hers and half of was mine. Um, I took the two, he offered her $150,000 for the, for the records. Mm. And she didn't take it. She Man. didn't take it. Man, I don't know how many records he had, but <laughs> that guy needs to call me. <laughs> <laughs> I love my records, but I love one hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Uh, I mean, my man had, he had, you know, everything. He used to DJ for Prince, so, you know, he had a whole lot of stuff, a lot of special stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, anytime you want to get ready down to move him, let me know. I'll let him know. I'll send him your way because he traveled up and down the East Coast to see record collectors, you know. Yeah, and I had a few of them guys come through. And then, you know, I, I decided not to sell, um, you know, some of my more precious stuff because it felt like it felt like they were going to get the best pieces out of my stuff and leave me with the, the, the you know, I'm like, either take it all or don't just come through here and take the jewels and leave me with a whole with, 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 with room fulls of, of records. Take it all or don't take the, the jewels out. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you gotta yeah, listen. You gotta put it out there. Listen, if you come, you gotta take it all. Ain't no picking through it. Take right. it all. Right. You know, I got saying? about two cats. I got one cat. He don't even want to look. He's like, yo, he'll make your offer. Yo, I take it all for this. He don't even want. He look through it later, like you know. But he's like, yo, I'm gonna give you this. I'm willing to give you this without looking through it. So, I don't right. know. You know, but they know what they're looking for. Right. And as long as, long as it's playable, they sometimes they'll be like, yo, just give me it all. If all of it, you know, if all of it looks good from the beginning, they just say, you know, give me it all. Man, I'm ashamed to say that I have actually 
thrown records in the dumpster when I was moving before because it just got to be too much to move. Like, you know, and I look back on like, oh, I wish I had held on to some Because some of it, it was just the stuff that I just absolutely wasn't using. But then later yeah. on, I found out that the, the category of stuff that I was tossing ended up being, you know. Yeah, it's the worst piece of it. Yeah, it ended up being the stuff you I should have held that, on to. That album cover that sold for over 100000 Which Which one? Uh, Rob Melvin. Rob. And when they did the auction, they hit the album cover, not the album. The album cover went for over $100,000. And who so was... My man all... My man always told me that that album cover was a money cover. Sometimes it's just the cover that that's worth the money, not the album itself. That's the cover. What album was this? It's a it's a dude. He's in Wildside with us. His name is Ramelzi. Ramelzi. And and he put out this album, and he drew the cover himself. Wow. And that cover. Last year, last year, we're in the auction for $125,000. Oh, my goodness. Man, I hope I got something like that stashed up in them crates and, and Just shelves. Just like the, the crown that Biggie wore, that little $6 plastic crown. was about the same thing, over $100,000. Wow. I mean, people you know, you know, it's junk to show people, to tell other people. It might be, you know. I stashed a bunch of T-shirts from from all this time that I spent, you know, around hip hop and on radio and stuff. I I saved all the T-shirts, like you know, all the promotional T-shirts from you know. Yeah, well, I know dudes that's looking for T-shirts. Word. Yeah. <laughs> they looking for T-shirts, the old flyers, and they, you know they care. Right. My man just sold. My man just sold um, six posters. Oh, I got some posters now. Like he just sold six posters for fourteen grand. Wow. He got fourteen grand. Yep, I saved um like I I saved mad promotional stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so they yeah. want it. They looking for especially people that's dealing with the museums, trying to put these museums together because the posters and the flyers give them date, mm-hmm. give them date what stuff was happening, and that's what they. That's what they trying to do. They trying to put this thing in order so they need everything that directs them to dates when stuff was happening. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of um flies and stuff just got the month and the date on it. They usually don't have the year. So they they looking for stuff that, you know, that they can determine. What was going on at this time? Yeah. Well, I got a T-shirt that might be worth something. Then. It's a bad boy when they first, you know, when the label first came out. 
And they were releasing that Craig Mack joint. That first T-shirt they put out, 1994, Bad Boy. <clears throat> I'm trying hey, to remember what it said on the front. I, I shared this, I shared this dude with you that looking for T-shirts and stuff. I, let me find, let me find him, and I'll share it with you. <laughs> yeah, I got the entire, I got the entire No Limit line. <laughs> Albums. Albums. Nah, t shirts. This white dude, that's what he, he, he's like, yo, you got any old t shirts and stuff? I'll direct you right to him. Yeah, man. Well, it's about that time for us to be wrapping it up, man. But this has been an awesome. It's been an awesome conversation, man. And it's, I'm really glad that you gave us a call or that we were able to talk to you tonight, though, for real. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm at the other end of the line anytime you want. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other end of the phone. If anybody want to reach me, it's Tony Crush on Facebook. Um, you know, DJ Tony Crush at Gmail. I'm here, man. I'm here. Right on, man. Well, we appreciate it. I like I said, we still get bookings. Um, somebody want to do the um, they want to do an anniversary for the um, 1981 battle we have with Fantastic. They want to. It was July 3rd, 1981, and July 3rd is on a Saturday this year, so they want to do like a semi-anniversary for that. Um, so they reached out and said, yo, can we get both of y'all together? Um, but I couldn't get all the fantastic together on their budget. So they just tried to do something with us in July, on July 3rd. So I'm like, yo, let's make it happen. That's what's up. The, the rap battle was nice, but what I really want to know is who won the basketball game? <laughs> well, the basketball game in the movie was only we was only throwing around so they could get footage, and you know, my little my little verse I came up with on the spot. They was like, all of y'all stand in line and just come up with something. So you know, we had to come up with a little quick saying or whatever, whatever. Man, that so ended up. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't even mean to interrupt you. That ended up being like one of the most iconic scenes ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know um, what I'm saying? You know, in that picture, you had us, the Fantastic. Um, you had Lisa Lee from Azulu Queen yeah, in that scene. and I was wondering who those girls were. Yeah. The one in... Um, White coat was uh, Queen Lisa Lee from the Zulu Nation. Um, she was pregnant at that time, but she couldn't tell. And one of the scenes in Wild Style, and Andy, Angie Stone was in the in there. She wasn't. She was just happened to be in the scene because then her little Rodney C was married. Oh um, wow! So that's why her name was originally Angie B. Yeah. Got married to Little Rodney T. His last, his real last name is Stone, so that's where she gets the Angie Stone from. Wow! 
you know. All connected. Yeah. She from down this and way, too. Uh, yeah, she from um, Columbia, right? South Carolina. Yeah, 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 we in North Carolina, but you know, down this okay. way. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. And um, one time for the road, DL. It's Capital City. I'm Capital J, and this is DL Glass, <laughs> along with the original DJ Tony Tone, aka Tony Crush. Always on time. Crush Brothers. <laughs> the legend. Always on time. You see how I come in right on cue? Right. Absolutely. You, sir, are hey. truly professional. <laughs> I tried my best. Well, I don't even try it's natural now. <laughs> but listen, I'm I'm trying to come that way. I'm trying to come down that way with the show. Uh, with a with the Coastman show. Uh, but we are trying to find places to do this hip hop fun run for our kids to raise money for for um cancer and stuff like that. So Well we're we're, we're in the Raleigh Durham area. Yeah, yeah. We're looking for places, you know, and they got uh, um, you know, parking lot, big park situation so people can do the five K. Um, you know. Mhm. Right. All about helping, all about trying to help as much as we can, you know, and, and get people out to play some music for them so they can enjoy life too, you know. No doubt. I... All this shit around, people need to dance. People want to dance. Well, I got a few places in mind, man. I have DL send them to you because I know he has your number. Okay. Well, you can get my number from him too. We all can say, you know. I might be down back down that way, DL, in um in June. Um, they trying to they um trying to get my cousin a surprise birthday party, so I might come back down there for that. You know? Okay. You know, my family, my family just learning who I, they don't even know who I am. They just <laughs> learning. So, you know, it's crazy. Right on, man. You never know. You never know. Hey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like I I miss so many family events out there doing what I do, man. And it's like, okay, I'm trying to learn my family and get my family to meet my family. So you know, mm-hmm. but you got to make sacrifices, you know, to, to to do something for the people. And people don't understand that, like, you know, some some people are putting it and making sacrifices. And they're not getting the millions of bucks and the thousands of bucks. I mean, cats mm-hmm. don't want to put us on tour. They don't want to come on after us. <laughs> like, yo, you got hit records and you don't want to come on after us? And, and, it's a different know, kind of energy. Know. Different kind of energy yeah. to follow. Yeah. They don't even because understand. Know, you know, when people see us, they see it in like the rawest hip-hop, and they said, like, yo, that's, if, if they were doing it like that, you know, we was, like, so far past what Rappers Delight came out. When Rappers Delight came out, we were so far past that that they had to simplify and bring it back for the people to be able to keep up with it. Yeah. So we're not mad with them, like, Big Bang Hank was somebody's security 
he wasn't even a rapper, you know. Right. I know y'all heard the story about him stealing the, his lyrics from Cass. Oh yeah, word for word. Yeah. Yeah. So you know he was he was Cass manager slash security. Mm-hmm. He wasn't no rapper. So when people say, "Yo, why y'all don't you know give Sugar Hill the credit because they wasn't rappers in the street with us, right. they didn't come up with us." And they act like they was better than us when they came out. Wow. They 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 just started being around us when they when they like left the left the company. Wow. And you know, it's like crazy, like we we don't know, so we signing away our name. They couldn't leave with their name. They you know, it wasn't their name, it was a company name. But that's just like the moment that became Ray Goodman and Brown after a while because they was on Sugar Hill and when they left, they couldn't take their name with them. Right. But, you know, and that's all. If you're paying attention and you're learning now, I'm supposed to share that with other people. Like, yo, copyright your name. (laughs) You know, own your name because if you sign with record companies, you signing your name over to them. That's why Prince became the artist formerly known. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the contract it was preferring to the artist, the artist, the artist. <laughs> it wasn't preferring to Prince. Uh, his real name was preferring to the artist. So he, he, named, he changed his name to the artist. So y'all, uh, well, you know, so nobody talks about it. So it, it it still gets the next people. It, it, they get the next people with the same thing because you not people not talking about it and letting people know, like, yo, beware of this. So you still in total control, in total control of the cold crush name. I own it. Right on. Mm-hmm. I own it. I own it. I don't sign no. You, you know, you know. I'm not signing nothing. Else. I want to count my money. I want to know what money comes to me. You know, a lot of people they get in there. They just want to perform. They, so they sign. Uh, they don't even want to sign nothing. They sign all that over to their manager or whatever. And this is how your managers start stealing from you because you trusted them and you given them power of attorney. So he don't feel like he's stealing it. You you giving him power of attorney. Mm. Strong. IRS paid to Mo Kumo D and to trying to tax him on million a million dollars. And Kumo D, I ain't got a million dollars. And they said, but you made a million. And that's how you find out. His manager was stealing money. Mm. He didn't even know that made a million. Wow. Until they start trying to tax them on it. That's why I don't get nobody power attorney over. Over not a nickel. Because I want to know everything coming in and going out. Yeah. What? You know, that seems so easy. So that's why they do it. That's why artists do it. Like, yeah, I don't I can't be bothered with that. You take care of it. And then you be, you know, somebody's be stealing, uh, you know, 
but they, like I said, they don't feel like they're stealing because you gave them power of attorney. Yeah, so, man, that's yeah. that's good stuff, man. A lot of a lot of young artists need to know about this stuff too, man. You know, they just yeah. want they want to be seen. Get, they can surround them with thinking people. I'm trying to have the. Oh, you can have your friend around you, but you also got to have somebody around you that's saying, that's looking out for you and saying, yo, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> you know, no, I don't think you could do that. So you're making money and then you're giving it right back to the system that want to lock you up. They want to lock you up. Yeah. Crazy. Like, yo. They want to break you down. They want to make you poor again. They don't want you living in a bigger house than them or like them. Yeah, boy. Like I said, we got to get you on the. We did. We did a podcast about the presidents and and how who's in office at the time and the political climate and the economy changed the hip hop at the time. Man, we got to get you back on one of them because I see you be thinking all political and deep. Man. <laughs> yeah. President ain't nothing but a puppet. You know, it's like they they they've been they've been brainwashing us all these years about this and that. My man told me the other day, he said, Yo, you know the president real the only real job he got is to control the mail. <laughs> the I was like, for real? Like, yeah, that's 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 really what his job is. Like, control the post office. Like, everything what? else is delegated, though. If you think about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, everything yeah. else is delegated. And damn, like, when you when put I it like that. Like I tell Cass, I tell Cass, listen, I ain't went nowhere but GED. But I pay attention and I try to think it out. No, I ain't. I ain't been to college. I ain't got no ABCs or no DFGs behind my name. But it's it's normal. It's shit that you can just think about and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, man. But they got to believe in you. Need all these alphabets and stuff behind your name to to be able to function. Like yo. Listen to people around you. Listen to what they say. Think about stuff. Read stuff. Uh, you know they say the president's only job is is he over the post office. Hey, that's what's up. Well, tell me this: will, will you be willing to come back and talk to us another time? We get on that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that's because what's up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake our people up. You know, I mean. It's just. Have you ever heard of Black Sunday? Um, you can say no. Because I've never the heard term, of it. I was gonna say the term sounds. It sounds so familiar, but yet I can't say I can say any particular incident makes me say Black Sunday. What? Tell me about Black Sunday. Black Sunday. I ran into it one day. On a Sunday, Tavis Smiley used to have this thing every year he did called Black Sunday. So I'm sitting there, and he keep, they keep talking about we got a covenant with this and we got a covenant with that. And this thing is like 24 hours long, I think. 
they got every senator, every black senator, every whatever that comes through there, Farrakhan, um, Al Sharpton, everybody that somebody come through there mm-hmm. and sit there and talk. <clears throat> the last the last half an hour, black lady, she was senator someplace, and she asked the question. Why is there no hip hop representation here? Wow. What does he say? They said that all day long going back and forth. Oh, the covenant. We got a covenant. When we signed this treaty, I guess they told him they was talking about America. Um, and she right. said, Why don't we have no hip hop representation here? But I know. What their representation would be a Russell Simmons or somebody. They ain't gonna come and find none of us. Yeah, we definitely, man. We, we definitely gonna, gonna gonna get back with you for real. Yeah, we're gonna you pick your brain on this side next time. And that's, and that's probably why they shot that why they shut down Tabby Smiley. Right. Right. Yeah. Just like they shut down Bill Cosby when he was trying to buy Channel Four. They've been at Bill Cosby for some years for trying to buy Channel Four. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna build on all that, and this is the longest longest running podcast we had so far. <laughs> it's very okay, special. We might have to make it a part one, part two. Yeah, because two hours, five minutes. That I did the podcast with. Uh, that's Y'all right. know I'm gonna shut it down, man. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, man. <laughs> hey man, for real, man. It's been a good time though, man. I can't wait to build with you all that other stuff. But yeah, we we got to go. We got to go to work at the border. <laughs> me too. I got an interview at ten o'clock in the morning. Um, okay. Listen, like I said, I'll be back down there. You know, around June. Um, you want me to be in the house? I'm in the house. We just stay in touch. We, you know, put it together. Hey, that's what's up, man. Yes, sir. Well, be safe All right. on your travels, man. Yes, sir. Peace and love, man. Peace and love. They might come get me in the morning talking all this mess. <laughs> I'm just police in my pocket. You know that's the police in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> no infiltration. You know we on the police. We probably yeah. hitting trigger words and all that right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've been on us ever, ever since the crack episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, listen. Yeah, you gotta acknowledge. Let them know. We know they listening. Yeah, boy. Right. And that's what's up, man. Hey, we appreciate it, man. You be well. Hey, peace and love, man. Peace and love. Tony Crush, community, people. peace and love. DJ Tony, later. Talk to you soon, brother. All right, peace. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only, the legend, Tony Crush, DJ Tony Crush of the Cold Crush Brothers, coming to join us. We broke it down about a whole lot of stuff. We talked about the movie Wild Style. We talked about the beginnings of hip hop. He broke down the knowledge on 
what happens when you're dealing with these people behind the scenes in the music industry. It was a great show, man. We're going to bring them back and hopefully in a few weeks and we can build a little bit more on the political side of Tony Crush. DL, how'd you enjoy that? Man, it was amazing, man. I was taking it all in, you know. The, you know, when, when you're in the, the presence of legends and historians such as, you know, Tony Crush and shit, even you. You know, so hey, shoot, man, I, I I'm sitting here thinking about the little bit of stuff I done, and then you think about the broad scope. But you knew of of what what he's done and where he's been, and the people that he's been around, and the places. Like you right. know, I'm saying, I tell you about a trip to Miami. Yeah. He talking about touring Japan for two weeks. You see what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, my story ain't so you know. <laughs> but you you had the knowledge though, and that's what it was about. Yeah, man. I was the student tonight, you know. And shoot, I was a student too, man. We all students. When you when you're yeah. dealing with a dude who was there from the inception oh of hip hop, then we're all students. You right. see what I'm saying? Everybody listening is yeah. a student, and that's why you pay homage to these people. Yes, you see what I'm saying? Right. So, hey, people, uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, man. Um, make sure you check out all the episodes on OverHearTV.com. Um, season one, the complete season is up there. Um, this is season two. Um, just continue to download, subscribe on all your listening um, platforms for podcasts, and follow the page on Instagram over here TV at over here TV over here TV dot com. Dot com. We gone.